You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast. Week 10 edition, and Charlie, not to, I guess, bring about the bad news, but ever since we've been doing this, the Bears haven't won a game. I, I broke all my TVs uh, so I wouldn't have to watch them. Um, I, I hear that's kind of the trendy thing to do is to just not have TVs around you if you don't like what's happening, so that's what I'm doing. I think a certain quarterback of ours in Chicago is doing something very similar, wanting that to happen at Hallis Hall. If you guys haven't heard Trubisky and TVs, that's probably his worst enemy other than, you know, opposing defenses at this point. But, yeah, that's what we're talking about at this at this point of the year. Week 10, TVs, Mitch Trubisky, and all the things that are going wrong with it. But we have a couple of questions here from fans from all over, audio Twitter question, so we're just going to get right into it and just kind of kick this thing off. And our first question comes from Dan. Dan, here's your question. Yeah, this is Dan from the Bears Brothers East Coast. thing we need to do is go after Dalton from Cincinnati, draft a quarterback, then evaluate who's paying, playing up to their expectations. I think we definitely need to bring Brian Dahl, and we need to go ahead and cut Davis. We need to play with some fire. We only got a little bit of the season. We got to come out smoking. I'm one of the number one Bear fans on the East Coast. I know for a fact the only way you beat success is through competition, and you only get competition is wanting it bad enough. So make this happen, gentlemen. I'm calling out to you as a Bears brother, original Bears brother, because I like your first Eagle, although the Audible is not bad. But I am number one fan on the East Coast, the Bears brothers East Coast. Go Bears. All right. Thank you, Dan. Um, Charlie, I don't even think I told you about this, but uh, the original name of the Chicago Audible used to be the Bears Brothers until we got a seven-page PDF document stating, basically, if you don't change your name, we're going to sue you. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. So, it used to be the Bears Brothers. We do miss that name. If we you know, had the option, we would have kept it. But the Chicago Audible is a good alternative, so there's a little background there. That's We were forced to change it. Fun so, fact. Yeah, yeah, fun fact. Learning things every day here. But um, Dan brought up a lot of things in, um, you know, not even his question, but just a lot of things in general. Some I agree with, some I don't. The one I do want to talk about, because it is relevant right now, and I think this could be a possibility is seeing Mike Davis being being cut. Uh, this is a guy that hasn't really contributed all season. And I know just going back to training camp when I was in Bourbon A, he was doing some really good things there, but it just has not translated on the field. He has 71 total offensive snaps, 45 total special team snaps, and he had zero total offensive snaps against the Eagles and only three special team snaps last week. So it just doesn't make any sense to really keep a guy that you're really not even using. Obviously, they like David Montgomery. They like Terry Cohen. They hyped it up in the offseason saying that 
Mike Davis could be a guy for them that they really liked, could use, but that just hasn't been the case. So I think when it, it comes down to it, they have to cut or release Mike Davis before Sunday's game to you know get into that compensatory pick formula, which I am not smart enough to kind of go and diagnose what that looks like. I'm not sure Mike Davis will be worth a fourth-round pick in compensation. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's kind of like what you're saying. They That's a huge miss. And I don't think they were trying to mislead anybody by saying we want Davis to be a big part of the offense. But those first couple weeks I'm watching him, I'm just going, what is what does he bring that, you know, is different from Cohen or Montgomery? It seems like he's just kind of – a wasted entity out there. So for me, it was one of those things where I completely understood why they started taking him off the field, but I still don't understand why they gave him that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sort of contract. They can save $3 million by cutting him next year, but, you know, what? it kind of gets to what was the point of that. This is a bad offseason for Ryan Pace, and Davis is an example of that. Yeah, and I it was really that I think that Denver game too, where um, whenever he was in the game, it just didn't seem like oh yards were not being picked up by Davis. So yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I I would expect the Bears to be smart enough to make this move, but the way things have gone, you know, this season, the Bears could surprise us and keep Mike Davis, a guy that they don't use on the roster for for no reason really. Uh, also, I mean. Obviously, Dan brought up a lot of points, and I just wanted to talk about that Davis one. We talked about, like, possibly, you know, Andy Dalton or drafting a quarterback. Uh, but he does bring up another good point. Is it, like, evaluating the talent that is on this team still? Because with Matt Nagy now in year two, a lot of these guys have not shown any progress or have gotten better. Guys like Tariq Cohen, uh, you know, Roquan Smith, guys that you would just expect to James Daniels in year two to get better and they just haven't so I find that very interesting I think if you know with this season practically being lost that's going to be something that I'm going to be watching out for just how does Matt Nagy continue to develop talent because that's going to be huge moving forward if uh, regardless of whether they keep Trubisky or not whatever happens you want to see if Matt Nagy can develop talent the question of can Nagy develop Trubisky? That's irrelevant to me at this point. I think we know the answer to that question. But you're right. There's a lot of questions about how can he develop these other players. Having said that, it is it is really hard to judge how well you're developing players if you have a quarterback who really you don't trust to get them the ball. So it, it it's like you said, this is a pretty wasted season. In, in terms of kind of evaluating what you have, you almost – it's very hard to evaluate the rest of the roster because of the effect that a quarterback can have on it. And when, when your quarterback is that bad, it can make the rest of your roster look that bad. So in evaluating this team and evaluating the coaching staff, I think you kind of have to look elsewhere because the situation is such that the quarterback is hampering so many things of this team that it makes it really hard to evaluate. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree there, Charlie. And, you know, when you throw TVs into the mix as well, it just makes evaluating everything that much more difficult. All right, we're going to go on to our second question. And here we go. Hey, this is Brandon from Ohio. Long-time Bears fan, long-time listener of the show. Um, I've seen a lot on Twitter and a lot of media heads saying that it's Matt Nagy's scheme and why aren't they scheming to Trubisky's strengths? I don't agree with that because his scheme worked last year, and this is similar to saying scheme to Jamarcus Russell's strengths. Just because you have talent doesn't mean you can put it together on the field. And if you can't read an NFL defense, how much control does Matt Nagy really have? I mean, I see receivers running open on almost every play, and he's just not getting to that read. It's like he's locking in on read one, and last year when read one wasn't there, he would escape the pocket. This year, he's taking a sack or throwing a terrible ball. So I don't understand how anyone can blame this on Matt Nagy. I think this is 90% Trubisky's regression, maybe 10% Nagy for not going to an I-formation 1970s offense sooner since that's before the quarterbacks became a big factor in offenses. So I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you where I don't totally fault now, I, he is deserving of some blame, but um, I don't totally fault Nagy for the situation that he has with his quarterback. And he's right. There are a lot of scenarios where Trubisky is just either not seeing his open receivers or he's completely overthrowing them. There's there's a play against Philadelphia. I mean, he overthrew. He had a couple overthrows. On the first drive of the game, uh, on that third down, he has Robinson wide open. And it completely misses him. And it's that kind of play where if you just if you hit that, if you hit that third and medium, third and long, you're keeping the drive going, you're moving the sticks, and when it's that early in the game, you're you're just starting off on a good foot. And then there's another play later where he he has Robinson open for a first down. There's two Eagles players probably about six or seven yards away from him, but the pocket is collapsing, and Trubisky is not the kind of quarterback that's gonna be able to slide to his right but still keep his eyes on that receiver and it ended up being a dump off to either Montgomery or Cohen I believe but it's just that sort of thing where he does have these receivers open but when everything isn't going as perfectly as it possibly can go and even when it does go as perfectly as it possibly can go he isn't able to execute so there are a lot of things where like I keep saying the quarterback just has to be better and you know, I kind of like the idea of using the pass, the short passing game as an extension of your run game, um, but you know, they're they're still they are using Montgomery a lot. They're actually sometimes, in my opinion, I feel like they're going to him a little too much on those first and second down plays, where it's like, all right, let's try to be smart about this. But um, yeah, I think it's just I put most of it on Trubisky, as uh, Carr said. You know what? I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around for sure. Um, there's just times where, you know, Mitch Trubisky clearly missed a wide-open wide receiver. That's happened all season. Let's be let's be real here. But then there's that game against the Eagles, that offensive line in the first half. Holy smokes, that was bad. Like, Charlie, that was awful. Like, it, it didn't matter what quarterback was back there. Uh, maybe if you have, like, a, I, like a more mobile quarterback, and, you know, Trubisky's supposed to be mobile, they maybe get out of there. But there are times where Trubisky's dropping back. There's – three Eagles already in the backfield and he has to take the sack. He could do things definitely with, you know, just kind of pointing out to where to put the protection. 
But this is Trubisky we're talking about. We can't expect that, really. Um, I think, though, that Nagy can still maybe just do things. Look, you have to play with what you got, and what you got is an inept quarterback who can barely run an offense. So you have to kind of, you know, dumb it down a little bit. And I know you brought, like, Jamarcus Russell. I don't think anything could have saved him. But you could still, I think, do things a little bit more effectively. I don't see why Matt Nagy's calling a run, an inside run to Tariq Cohen on the two-yard right. line. Right. Like, that makes no sense. There's there's plays throughout the game where you're just questioning why Nagy is doing what he's doing. But then it all does come back to the quarterback. Look, you mentioned that third down play on the very first drive of the game to Allen Robinson. Trubisky hits that. If he does, it's a routine throw that you extend the drive. Nagy gets an opportunity to show what he had on the second series of plays. But he never gets to go into that in-depth part of his playbook usually because the offense is three and out, three and out. So it's really limiting what Matt Nagy would like to call, what he would call in a certain situation, because his quarterback can't execute the simplest of things. And that's where it all comes down to, really. And, I, you know, I voiced my opinions on Trubisky. I don't know if it's salvageable at this point. It really isn't. He is what he is, and he just hasn't picked up the offense. And that's really hindering what Matt Nagy would like to do. But I still believe that he could still do a little bit of things better. Obviously, this whole offense can. They're in the bottom category in every offensive statistical category. Clearly, he can do things better. But it does start with, you know, QB 10 here. So Yeah, when, when your numbers are as bad as the Bears' offense is, coaching and play calling has to be a factor in that. Um, you know, I think there are things that Nagy could do more. You know, I actually like the idea of two two running back sets with Montgomery and Cohen just because I think their skill sets really, when they're on the field at the same time, make them really hard to play against. I think if they do those long play-action plays – those shots were there. They had Robinson that got broken up by Russell Douglas, and obviously that throw to Gabriel, which, uh, you know, that's the throw you want your quarterback to hit. And to Trubisky's credit, he did. But to your point about the opening drive sort of shortcomings this season, so much of the offense's effective in this last season was getting out to a hot start. And that's because Trubisky last year was hitting those those sorts of third-down plays to Robinson uh, you know, in, in a general sense. And that's not happening this year. And, you know, their first, their opening drives have ended almost always in punts this season where they hadn't last year. And I think kind of like what you're saying, a lot of that is because Trubisky's taken a step back this season and we're not getting to see the full uh, script of plays that Nagy did a good job of coming up with last year. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the reality of it. Yeah, and you know what? Those scripted plays, Matt Nagy was really effective last season with those 15 to 20 scripted plays to start off a game. The first drive of the 2018 season, the Bears went down in Green Bay and scored a touchdown. Everyone was very excited about that, but that hasn't been the same. So, you know, again, it does come back to Trubisky, but I think Matt Nagy can still do a better job calling plays, even moving the pocket. Just moving yeah. play action passes. Where are those? You yeah, know that. Yeah, that's that's the big thing for me. Is I mean, play action is so effective right now, and yeah, you know, a lot of people point to the fact that Trubisky is so good when he's outside of the pocket, which is true. And Nagy doesn't do enough to get him outside the pocket. But at the same time, you know, you can't you can't call play action every play. You can't have your quarterback run outside the pocket every play. So I think sometimes we get a little bit carried away with that. But to the message of that general you know, thought, um, I think it's very true. I think there are certain things that Nagy has to do better 
Uh, but, you know, maybe those things – there's a lot of coaching we don't know. Maybe those things kind of don't fit into what he wants his game plan – or in, he wants his overall game plan to be. Maybe it's hard to incorporate those sorts of things. But, you know, maybe I'm being too much of a neggy apologist, but I I would like to see him with a decent quarterback. So would I. I, I would like to see what Nagy could come up with. But he's got Trubisky, and that's why the Bears are where they are and why they are 3-5 and five right now. All right, we're going to go to our third audio question, and here we go. Hey, guys, this is Sonny from Chicago. My question is, um, do you think Nagy has the responsibility to other 52? Uh, and what I mean by that, if Mitch is a problem, is it fair to the rest of the team for us to be forcing Mitch into something that for this season, to me, he looks like he, he's just done. It's way over his head. Um, shoot, you know, so I guess the question is more, do we go to Chase Daniel? Uh, because he is, I guess, a serviceable backup. We, we never wanted Mitch to be Aaron Rodgers. We just needed him, I guess, to be average to good because our our, our strength was always our defense. And you could even see in the last game to some extent, once there is some spark that offense is moving somewhere, defense picks up. I think it's very hard to get motivated when it's three and out in the first first quarter, but the three and out is, is because the quarterback missed the wide open receiver. Um, you know, as a defense, you're just thinking like, oh, it's going to be one of those days, you know. So, But when something happens, when you see your team make a play, it seems that everybody blocks better hits better play calling is better so like i said at this point does Nagy have responsibility to other 52 if mitch is the problem should we go to chase daniel i'm not saying he's a starter but at this point he seems like he's better than mitch i hate to say it i really do so anyways that's all i have um all right that's a interesting question there sunny i honestly don't know i think uh, here's what i think is going to happen I think the Bears are going to play Trubisky for the rest of the season. We won't see Chase Daniel unless they have to, you know, bearing an injury or something like that. But, look, they invested so much in Trubisky that they're going to see exactly what he is. And, you know, to us it seems pretty evident what Trubisky is, a bust, someone that they shouldn't have picked, shouldn't have moved up for. But the coaching staff, you're not going to hear that from Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, of course you're not. You can't you can't throw a guy under the bus like that. So they're going to play him uh, regardless, even if Chase Daniel is a better solution. I think what's interesting in this whole entire situation here, Charlie, is that most teams that have a starting quarterback playing bad, usually you have a backup that's a young, unproven player, right? So maybe there's just a change of scenery. Maybe there's this new hope that can come out. That's not the case with Chase Daniel. You know, being a veteran in this league, we know what Chase Daniel is. He's played four games for the Bears, won two, lost two. So there's nothing that you can really – the only thing that is possibly you can gain maybe are possibly a win, but you can't guarantee that with Chase Daniel. He's not that much better than Mitch Trubisky. Does he know the offense better? Yeah, yeah, he does. He looks – when he played, especially in that Minnesota game, when he came in uh, six plays after Trubisky was injured – he just looked like he knew what to do, where his progressions were, who to go to on certain plays. But I don't know if that's – if you're trying to save the season, I, I still don't even think that's the right option. There there really is um, no way of saving it at this point 
personally, unless the Bears just somehow, some way, find and click on offense. But I don't think, regardless of what quarterback is playing, that's going to happen. So I think it's just a lose-lose situation, in my opinion. But what's your take, Charlie, on whether or not Matt Nagy should go to Chase Daniel if that's the best option? Yeah, so, I mean, they're not saving this season. You know, Daniel isn't going to save this season. Trubisky isn't going to save this season. But I think if you start Daniel, you do it because you can no longer look at your locker room and say, we're doing what we can. You know, they flipped every stone to find a kicker. You know, the big question is, are they going to flip over this stone? We know what's on the other side of that stone. With Chase Daniel, he's a known quantity, but I just – you know, I, I don't know how you can you can tell your team that by tro- by trotting out Trubisky, we expect you guys to take us seriously. It's just one of those things where you know I don't think I don't think they disrespect Trubisky. I don't think they're turning on him. You know, in big numbers or anything like that. But there's no way they're not just kind of either maybe they're getting together uh, talking about it or it's. It's there. It has to be there. They're humans. Um, you know, to the uh, – I, I often hear this notion that, you know, well, the floor is higher with Daniel than Trubisky. Is it? I mean, I don't – I feel like we might overrate Daniel just because he's been around for a while. I – there's – it's very much stuck between a rock and a hard place because, you know, the – you never want to make a quarterback change because it's locker room related. And that's where they're in They're If they make a change, it will be to save face, not to win games. And that sucks for a team that wanted to be in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I actually tweeted out the, um, I don't know if you, you watched this, the hype video that they had going into that wildcard playoff game where Mitch Trubisky narrates it. I got chills again watching it, and I know obviously we all know the result, but I just tweeted out what what happened. Where's that swagger, that obsession to be the best? That were, that was the whole motto last season, be you and that obsession to be the best. They are so far away from that team. It's insane. But, yeah, like you said, with the quarterback position, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a very bad spot right now. And if you're a Bears fan, you know, looking to chase Daniel as a savior – is you know false hope for you know to put it lightly there but that's gonna that's gonna do it for the audio questions and now we're gonna go to some of the twitter questions that were submitted by the fans and this one is from md shore bears fan we signed mike davis and i had high hopes can't even remember the last time i saw him on the field where the heck is mike davis that's a really good question. Where the heck is Mike? Well, actually, we know. He's, he's where on, he should be. He's on the bench. <laughs> he's on the I mean. bench. And we kind of addressed this earlier. But, yeah, again, this is just a bad move by Ryan Pace, you know, signing a guy that you're not going to use and hyping him up throughout the offseason, thinking, you know, that, you know, sports reporters like myself are going to suck that in and think they're actually going to be in the offense. And he hasn't been. But, yeah, he's on the bench. And. Do you have anything to add about Mike Davis there? No, Taylor? I mean, kind of what I already said. I think they wanted him to be a part of the offense, and it just played out that it, he's not what they want. They expected him to be. Yeah, and it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, expect the decision to come soon, whether, whether they just release him. He tweeted him. an emoji earlier today. He did? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of emoji was this? This is huge. So it's, I, I saw it on my laptop, and they always look different uh, <laughs> compared to the phone, but I think it was the shocked emoji. 
Oh, man. This Maybe is... he's shocked they kept him around. <laughs> that could be the possibility. It's it's the blushing emoji. Oh, I see that. Yes, this is this is huge news, you guys. This is when we're talking about emojis and what they could possibly yeah. mean. You know what? I kind of... I know the listener can obviously see this. Yes. But... You obviously know what the blushing emoji looks like. Come on now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks a little the, the concerned <laughs> blushing showing, emoji. I'm just showing Nick a zoomed-in emoji. <laughs> this is great. Well, I, when athletes do that, which happens a lot, I'm like, man, everybody in the comments is like, oh, boy, this can mean, you know, the biggest thing. What's, what's going to happen here There was next? somebody like... I think there was somebody in the NBA this offseason who just, like, kept tweeting eyeball emojis. He was a player. And every time it would be like, oh, my God, what's happening? He's like, I'm obviously messing with all of you. Oh, man. Yeah, I do remember that. I can't think of the player. Uh, if you do know the player and you watch this on YouTube or listen, definitely comment on who that was because I do remember that being, like, a storyline. All right. Now to move on from emojis and Mike Davis, which are both irrelevant, um, we're going to go to our next Twitter question. And it's from Leo. Leo asks, if Trubisky is replaced by Mariota or Dalton next season, do you believe we make the playoffs next season? Oh, man. Uh, Trevor, do you want to take a jab at that? If we get Mariota or Dalton, do the Bears make the playoffs all, all of a sudden now? I think this is a, a playoff caliber roster, and they, just, they need a quarterback who isn't going to actively harm their chance to win. And – you know, I I don't really know what Mariota is in, in the sense that, you know, how high – like, I know he's not a very good quarterback, but I don't know how terrible he is either. <laughs> I don't know what his lows are like. I've seen Dalton's lows, but I've also seen a lot of highs from Dalton. I mean, Dalton at one point was in a fantastic situation in Cincinnati with an unbelievable receiving core. I forget who is – in the, it was Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and A.J. Green. I think were all his receivers. Uh, and Tyler Eifert before he was constantly injured. So when he's in a really good situation, which I think he would be with the Bears, he can succeed. And, you know, I, I think he would make them a playoff team. But maybe I have too much hope in Dalton. But watching him over the last few years, I, I never feel like he's – He's actively harming his team. He's never doing anything special, but, and I'm sure you know. Anybody who 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 hears that and is an anti-Dalton guy is going to point to a few instances of that happening. Every quarterback has those really bad moments. I just think that his positives, the positive moments of his career, have mostly outweighed the negatives, and that includes some really bad playoff blunders. Yeah, and um, like like Charlie just said, this is a roster that you know, is a playoff roster. They have all the pieces, just not the most important one. And it's kind of tough to say what a Mariota or a Dalton would do in this offense, how you would maybe have to – you wouldn't really have to adjust much for Mariota, but for Dalton, you know, maybe just a little bit. But Mariota would seamless, you know, pick this up pretty seamlessly, I would imagine. It's just I haven't watched enough tape on Mariota to kind of – you know, determine like whether or not he would fit. We, I thought yeah. Trubisky would fit. I know? haven't been super plugged in into Titans games the last <laughs> yeah. couple of years. No, no reason to be. So it's tough to say. Uh, I'm gonna say that if they were to get, man, I think Dalton's a safer bet than Mariota. I would probably have to say that as well. Even though you know Mario does have the upside with knowing the offense. Do we even know what the offense is in right. Chicago and, right now? And, and like, let me make it clear, like. When I say I, I would bet Dalton's a better answer, 
I'm not betting he is a good answer. I just think, <laughs> in relatively speaking, I think he's a better choice than Mariota. Yeah, so th- this – either way you go, whichever direction, whichever quarterback, if it was between those two, it's not the best option. It's not a good option, but if we had to choose, most likely would be Dalton there. All right, and this question from Aaron – oh, H-U-N-D-T Hunt. Um, in your opinion – which Ryan Pace first-round pick was worse based on the talent passed up on? Kevin White? I like this or question Mitch Trubisky? a lot. Okay. Um, so I was I just wanted to look up some of the players that were in that 2015 draft class uh, after, you know, Kevin White was selected. Um, let's see here. We have Kevin White, number seven overall, obviously did not pan out here in Chicago. But some of the players here, Charlie, that I just want to read off, you know, had the Bears, they, you know, the Bears had these options. This up. is a bad draft class. It is. You have Vic Beasley going to the Falcons, Eric Flowers to the Giants, Todd Gurley to the Rams, Trey Waynes, Vikings, Danny Shelton, Browns, Andres Pete. Oh, my goodness. New York, you know, the Saints, he was, he did not play very well against but, the Bears, too. Um, yeah, by, go ahead. Yeah, by the, likely by the start of next season, every player drafted in the top 10 is going to be on a different team than the one that drafted them because I maybe Winston they give another shot to but it looks like Mariota's out the door so uh those are the only two guys that are still on their team from the top 10 of that draft class yeah and, uh, so I uh Brandon Sheriff oh, and, and Vic I Beasley I guess oh uh, yeah that's true Brandon Sheriff and I have the same class at Iowa um I take him just because he's <laughs> Iowa alum there but yeah this is a horrible terrible draft class so I think yeah, Sheriff's been phenomenal yeah Washington. yeah and he's um you know yeah, he's been he's been steady there in Washington, but I think the obvious one when you miss on number two overall pick and move up to go to that position, and then you have two quarterbacks that are drafted, you know, later in the same draft class that are just lighting it up. It has to be Mitch. Yeah, ju- drafting a quarterback is just such a giant swing, and it's such a giant miss when you miss. And I understand reservations about Mahomes. I think. I, I still think Mahomes would have ended up being very good. Uh, I think he's the best quarterback in football because uh, a lot of situation, but I still think he would have figured it out. You know, anytime yeah. we talk about these top five quarterbacks. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I think they're pretty much situation-proof. It's just how much more did the situation elevate what is already a very, very high floor. But with Watson, I saw Roger Sherman tweet out something like, how could you pat or... Uh, I completely understand why the Bears drafted Trubisky over the guy who beat Alabama in the national championship and was twice a Heisman finalist. <laughs> it's, you know, I, it's one of those things where I think you kind of get too cute with it. And maybe that's oversimplifying it, but you just look at what Watson, Watson's resume and it matches what you see that he did on the field. And I think you just kind of get 
too caught up in the possibility of what Trubisky could be. And look, you know, I'm I'm not a draft expert. I was a junior in high school when this selection was made. Uh, no, excuse me, a senior. Um, but you know, I just in that moment, I was like, really over Watson and. It kind of seems like I was right. And, you know, I'm not taking any credit for that, obviously, but I think most of the community thought at that time that Watson was a safer pick than both Trubisky and Mahomes. I think Trubisky was still maybe seen as a little bit safer of a pick than Mahomes, even though Mahomes ended up going before Watson and everything. But, you know, they're, uh, I don't totally fault them for drafting Trubisky over Mahomes, but I do fault them for taking Trubisky over Watson. Yeah, I remember when that draft was playing out or, you know, leading up to it, and the Bears sent scouts to Clemson's Pro Day, and it was just for a smokescreen, so no one saw them drafting Trubisky, and that's when, you know, I think they pan over I think it was at Soldier Field or wherever it was at the draft, and you hear people, like, booing or they're shocked when they hear Trubisky, and yeah, I mean, this is a guy going to Deshaun Watson at Clemson 4,593 yards I, you know, 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He was unreal. Yeah, he was just a, a video game player. And, you know, they just saw Trubisky as, you know, having more talent. You know what? Actually, when I was grading the quarterbacks at the time, I had Trubisky, you know, highly graded. I think my highest grade won. But I, I do remember, I'll give myself credit here, my mock draft, I did have Mahomes. I'm like, this guy could be special. And, you know, that's that's what it ended up being. But, yeah, so it has to be has to be Trubisky. And, you know, Kevin White had all the physical time. He just had these weird injuries in the NFL they never had in college. So it was just unfortunate that, you know, things broke when they did because that ended up being Kevin White's career. And now, is he still even on the Cardinals? I don't even I don't even know. I was just thinking about that. I don't think he is. <laughs> so I could be wrong on that. Yeah, it's it's um it has to be Trubisky just again, the quarterback position, you mess that up, you mess up your entire team. That's where the Bears are at right now. All right, we're going to go to our last Twitter question, and it comes from Matt Mueller. At this point, what do you see the Bears doing this offseason? I, ob- I hope it is as obvious to them as it is to us that the QB position must change. But the problems with this team seem to extend beyond the QB. Only Robinson has improved. I'm of mind to tear the whole thing down. So let's talk about this just beyond quarterback because we spent so much time talking about quarterback. Um, no, I don't think they should tear the whole thing down. I, I, I'm not in that mindset. But it's hard to build depth when you're paying as much to different position groups as you are. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of very highly well-compensated players. You're going to have to make logical cuts like Taylor Gabriel, possibly Cordero Patterson, maybe a Mukamara. Um, the beginning of the off-season improvement begins with off-season releases and cuts. And I think that's kind of where you have to start because they are up against the cap right now. Um, you know, they, and again, like they can't restock this team with draft picks because they have such little draft capital. They just have two seconds. They don't have a third or a fourth or a first. So it's kind of tough. I'm interested to, to hear what, you what you think path they should end up taking yeah and you know you mentioned some of those players you know they're and they're gonna have to get rid of some good ones like Danny Trevathan's a guy that Trevathan's been a stud this year stud but realistically he might just not fit just due to the cap situation that the Bears are in so 
obviously, like you mentioned, there are a lot of problems. And I think, one, you need to have, regardless of the quarter, you have to find some kind of offensive identity as well because two seasons in, even in that 2018 season, we still didn't know. We didn't know what the Bears' offense was. There was a lot of trick plays that hasn't happened this season. There were a lot. There was a lot of times where defensive players were playing on offense, and that was that was cool and all. But that that hasn't happened this season. Matt Nagy's it's clearly different. This two hundred two offense, but it also extends to like we were talking earlier. You and you mentioned this in your question. Only Robinson has improved. Well, you need to see with these problems, like an Anthony Miller, who I thought would be far better this season, hasn't produced. James Daniels at at center, that doesn't look like it's a good switch right now. I know he's still a young player, but it's not looking good. So the problems are not just on the offensive side, but then you kind of even go, look, I know Eddie Pinheiro has been definitely uh, a good – I would say a good signing just because of how what, what happened with Cody Parkey. Eh. But you missed – a game you missed two field goals exactly against the Chargers. So is that situation solidified? Absolutely not. So there's and then you look at the defense. Even last game, are they going to start to give up more of those big plays? And where are the turnovers? I know this defense uh, has been great last in 2018 and it was playing well through four games, but I think they're they have ten less turnovers at week at this point in the season right now than they did last season so the turnovers are not happening it's essentially the same group of guys going out there look Akeem Hicks is a big big minus though but where's that at so it's not just on the offensive side where you look at these issues and who they're going to cut and who they might bring in but yeah there's really problems on every side of the ball right now yeah and Warren Sharp talks a lot about uh, how the most efficient offenses run a lot of 12 personnel just because it's so hard to predict what they're about to do and the Bears ideally would be able to run a lot of 12 personnel, but Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton have been absolute zeros for them this season. Dan Durkin tweeted out, I think earlier today, the Bears tight ends are last in touchdowns with zero, last in yards per reception at 7.6. So they're not even catching the ball at you know, eight yards downfield. They're last in receiving first downs with 11. That's about one or so a game. They're 31st in receiving yards with 205. They're 24th in receptions with 27. And they have the fifth highest payroll at that position. I don't know how you can – you know, tight ends I think are hard to find. And, look, the Bears the Bears tried to invest in it, and they were wrong. And that's a big strike against Ryan Pace because if you are unable to hit on something that can really elevate an offense and make you an efficient team, that's that's really bad. That's a bad look for how you assemble your roster. So – I mean, it's it's really tough to know what they're going to do. I think ideally they would try to solve this just disaster at tight end and maybe try to shore up the interior of the offensive line. They're going to have to work on fixing that right guard spot in particular. Now with Kyle Long gone and Rashad Coward getting his lunch money eaten by <laughs> or taken from him by Fletcher Cox. So it's there. there are a lot of things they have to worry about. I think in terms of the skill position talent, you don't want to hope that they get better, but that's kind of where they're at, where they can't really afford to not hope that they get better uh, with a with better quarterback play. So, And again, you kind of have to move on from somebody like Taylor Gabriel, who provides such a speed element to your offense and really is a big part of what they want to do all the time. So, I mean, it's, it's really tough to imagine what changes they're going to have to make, but, you know, the big one starts at quarterback, which we're – 
likely going to continue talking about for a very long time. Yeah, as long as these audio mailbags uh, podcasts keep going, there will be questions about Mitch Trubisky, that is for sure. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, Charlie, if you were to click on that tweet from Dan Durkin, someone replied right underneath them that you <laughs> might know. It was me. Uh, they're tied with the Dolphins for last place. I just wanted to point that out. But, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> there's so many. So many things wrong with this in tight end. And the thing is with Matt Nagy's offense, a tight end was supposed to be a position that was heavily utilized that you can go to for those, you know, easy first downs. We saw that happening with Trey Burton in 2018. The guys have done absolutely nothing at the position. We talked about it, I think, last time. J.P. Holtz has been their best tight end, and he plays fullback. So it's like, come on. Uh, but we did want to we did want to talk about one last question here, and it's been circling around just you know at radio and on, on Twitter and things like that. But someone brought up whether or not they would make the trade if a team was offering Khalil Mack for two first round picks. And I heard this on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday, and Trey Wingo was also on there. He gave his opinion. Um, basically, Trey Wingo said, "Hell no." This is not going to happen. We're not going to trade Cleo Mack. And I agree with that. I, I, I know the Bears are in a tough situation. They don't have many draft picks moving forward. But Cleo Mack is a proven commodity, a proven player in this league. If you are trading that for potential, potential picks that may not pan out. We just talked about some of the 2015 draft class. That could be it. You could be trading Cleo Mack, a proven talent, for nothing. And that's exactly what the you know the Raiders did with the Bears. They're they're hoping that their picks and you know Josh Jacobs looks like a really good pick right now, but you're just hoping that they can even be a solid player, a starter for a couple of years down the road. It's very rare that you hit on a pick and it ends up being a Khalil Mack. So there's no way I would trade him. He's a part of the solution, not the problem. And I know obviously being the highest paid defensive player in football. It, it takes a lot to keep him on your roster, but you you have he's to want it. He's worth it. You have to want to keep guys like that. But what's your take on the trading Cleo Mack for two first-round picks there, Charlie? Yeah, I'm worried there's going to be some anti-Mack buzz because he hasn't really been producing these past couple weeks. And I think part of that is teams sort of know how to play against the Bears' defense right now. It's just get the ball out as quick as you can, you know, send extra protection on Mack. You know, we don't really have to worry about Leonard Floyd on the other side. We don't have to worry about Akeem Hicks on the interior right now. So uh, kind of dedicate everything to just avoiding Mac at all costs. Uh, but that still shows how much he's impacting the game because teams are game planning specifically for him. You're not going to find – you know, Josh Jacobs is a fantastic running back. I love watching him play. He doesn't have the same impact on a game as Khalil Mack does. So it's – yeah, if you trade Khalil Mack, you're giving up on – your entire what is, what is it when when was Ryan Pace hired six years ago you're giving up yeah. on basically the entire uh, career that you've had in Chicago I know he wasn't the first move he made but he's kind of one of Pace's crowning achievements is going out and getting probably the second best player second best defensive player in football and if you move on from that you're just you're telling your fans it's over you're telling your locker room it's over and you're telling ownership it's over and if you're the gm and you're telling ownership it's over you are you're over so yeah, yeah it's it, it's kind of crazy it, it would be insane to trade cool back you know and that's what happens 
when you have a losing football team? You get these kind of questions. Imagine that question being asked at some point last season. People would have just wrote you off as being, you know, insane. And that's what happens, though. When the Bears are 3-5, and five, things are not obviously in a good place. You talk about trading the best thing that's happened for the Bears in the last couple of years, which is Khalil Mack. But that's going to wrap it up. Those are all the questions. Thank you to everybody that submitted, whether it was through the voicemail or on Twitter. We really appreciate it. But if you want to have your question heard or read, you can definitely call 872-240-4007. And that number, again, is 872-240-4007. Charlie and I really enjoy doing you know these audio mailbag podcasts, so please keep submitting your, your questions, even at, right after the game, if you are feeling emotional and have something you want to ask. Or during the game. Or during the game. After the first half, after the first quarter, if they the Bears have negative one uh, you know, offensive yards, feel free to call in and let us know. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for everybody, again, that submitted a question. And we'll be back next week. But until then, Bear Down, Chicago. Bear down. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.